Oh, and welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with Schwan Humes. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and also my other podcast, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast, which I did on Tuesday. Okay, Schwan, before we get into uh, the UFC, I wanted to talk uh, for a minute about uh, Kayla Harrison, who, as expected, she won her fight in the PFL last week. You know, it was no big deal. But since then, she's kind of... uh, gone on a bit of a jag there yakking about uh i'm ready for the ufc i'm ready for amanda nunez and blah 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 and all that stuff and um you know uh dana white was asked about it earlier this week and, and he said basically i think what both of us have said we don't think she's ready and the reason we don't think she's ready is because she hasn't faced anybody decent yet like she hasn't beaten anybody She's beaten tomato cans. And listen, he has an agenda. His agenda is he's trying to get her as cheap as possible. We don't have an agenda around here. All right. We just don't think she's faced decent fighters yet. Sean, what where do you make of all of this? Yeah, um, I mean, Kayla's doing what she's supposed to in general. She's trying to make a name for herself. She's trying to leverage herself into a position where she can get not just in the UFC, but get top dollar to be in the UFC. So she's doing what her management wants her to do, what she wants to do ultimately. Um, he said with Dana, Dana, I don't think Dana has so much against her, but the UFC is not in the business of building up stars, brands. The UFC is supposed to be the big brand. So anybody who's building up individual momentum where they might seem bigger than a sport or bigger than the division um, Dana's going to pour cold water all over that so that he can maintain control because he doesn't want to pay her any million-dollar salary because, to be quite honest, she's not worth a million dollars in salary. I don't care what tournament she wins. The returns on the investment of her popularity, I mean, she people keep comparing her to Ronda Rousey. She does not have Ronda Rousey's popularity at all. She, she's, oh, 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 one other thing, one other thing. Before Ronda ever got to the UFC, she had already held a championship in Strike Force, and she beat Misha Tate and Sarah Kaufman. And Kayla Harrison hasn't fought anybody who's even close to that. Yeah. But as I said, Ronda was a lot more proven. Ronda, whether she won the fights fairly quickly or not, the fact is she was beating people who had who'd been established, you know, established fighters, established champions. Yeah. And and then she she at least had to face some resistance. Even against Misha Tate, she had to a few moments of resistance so she was somewhat proven harrison hasn't fought anybody with the skill skill style or athleticism to even compete with her we have no idea she might get punched in the face by by a fighter first and, co- and t- totally fall apart we don't know i've seen her push have to push back well first of all i want to mention that her manager we all know him ali abdulaziz right and yes. You know, he has a very close relationship with uh, PFL, right? Because, of course, yeah. he used to be the matchmaker when they were known as the World Series of Fighting. Okay? And the other thing is that, do you know what would solve this problem immediately? What would that? If Dana White would close the featherweight division like he wants to instead of keeping it alive just for Amanda Nunes. I mean, to be quite honest, I don't know that the UFC should be a viable option for anyways. If I was her, I'd be either trying to get over to Bellator 
because that's the one who has an actual division or I'd be trying to do a, a joint promotion that's sort of sort of event between them and Bellator. So maybe she could get uh, Cyborg because, I mean, even though we don't think highly of people like Julia Budd, I think highly of her, but some people don't think she's a great fighter. If Julia Budd fought Kayla Harrison, she'd be the very best so, opponent Kayla Harrison fought by far. Some people meaning me. Yes. <laughs> But it, it I, I think she's a, she seems like a very nice person, but I don't think she's advanced as a fighter. No, exactly. I like to be honest. Even though Kat Zingano isn't who she used to be, if she fought Kat Zingano, that would be far and away the best opponent she's ever faced in her career. If she fought Janae Harden, that would be the best fighter she's well, ever faced in her entire career. If she fought Janae Kavanaugh, that would be the best opponent she's ever fought in her yeah. career. And the funny part of it is that somebody mentioned Clarissa Shields to her, and she she says, "Oh, she's not experienced enough." <laughs> that that just cracked me up, <laughs> you know, because <sighs> neither is she. Okay. Yeah, all her fights pretty. I mean, to be quite honest, there's not much of a gap between the opponents she's faced. Actually, I mean. You, even Heather Hardy's faced better opposition than her in her couple fights in, in Bellator. She's faced better fighters than Kayla Harrison has. We don't know anything about Kayla, except she's a great athlete and she's very good on the ground. That's all we know. We have no idea if she can actually fight back. Well, that's the problem. That's why you have to, she has to face better fighters. But I honestly, Schwann, they're not out there. Nope, not in that division. I mean, there's really only like maybe four or five decent fighters. None of them, uh, only one of them is in the UFC. And then um, after that, it's pretty much done. I mean, I really thought PFL would try to get some, even though Meekin Anderson is not great, I figured they'd try to get her in there or set something up where somebody with some kind of name to come in and compete with Kayla. But they haven't been able to get anybody. And the fact of the matter is that her weight class, there's no competition. And 45, there's no, you have to go all the way to 35 to even have about 10 to 13 fighters she could fight. So it's like she's kind of Schwann. stuck. Her career, her career won't be very long. Schwan, she can't make that weight. But that's she what I'm saying. Barely, her career won't she, be that long then. Listen, she can barely make 145. She has a medical issue that, that is a problem for her in cutting weight. That's all, that's all I'm saying. She, she pretty much, her career can't really be more than maybe another two or three years. I mean, let's say she went to the UFC and she fought Amanda Nunes. Nunes blows her doors off. That's it. She's done. Hmm. All, all that, all that momentum she built up, all that, that cachet is gone. She can't afford to fight and lose. It'd be done. She'd be worthless. Listen, listen. I bet Ryzen could figure out something to do with her. Have her fight Shinobu Kandori, pro wrestler. Well, she, but she'd be right. She'd be right back in the same situation, getting paid large sums of money to fight nobodies. That's not what she wants. Yeah, I know. I know. It's not what she wants, but that's what she's going to get. Okay. Let's move on to the uh, last Saturday's UFC show now. The fight between Amanda uh, Rebus and uh, Angela Hill was uh, postponed because Amanda um, tested positive. Also, her father tested positive for COVID-19. Now, they're still in Las Vegas quarantine, right? Uh, the fight has been rescheduled, but she uh, uh, sent out an Instagram video today that she's still feeling the effects of COVID-19. So it's, it's questionable whether she'll be ready for, and I, I don't know what, what, what they're going to do. If they're going to reschedule it again, or I mean, I don't, I have no idea, but we have to wait and see if she tests, if she's feeling better and she tests positive in the next few days, then they'll still do the fight. Okay. 
The one fight we women's fight we did have on this show was the main event of the show was Marina Rodriguez winning over uh, Michelle Watterson at uh, by unanimous decision. So there's a couple of things I wanted to mention about this fight. First of all, the original main event for this show was canceled because T.J. Dillashaw suffered a cut during training. So uh, they needed a replacement fight. This fight was actually supposed to happen in July in Abu Dhabi, but they decided to move it up. So there was a couple of things that they had to do for this. First of, you know, first of all, they had to sign Marina to a new contract. Two, uh, she requested that it be at uh, flyweight because uh, she didn't think she cut to 115 in like a short period of time. So that's fine. And the other thing is she had to get a work visa. <laughs> you can believe that. And so, uh, you know, they did get it done. It was five rounds. Uh, it just... Uh, the, the main thing is the thing at flyweight is it gave her even more of a size advantage than she already had. And listen, here's the deal on Marina. She's basically a striker. The way to beat her is get her on the ground. And why Michelle didn't do that in the first three rounds is beyond me. Because when she did it in the fourth round, she won that round. But it was too late by then. Well, the thing, after watching the fight with... um. Michelle Watterson, on a certain extent, the knockout over Revis, I will say, was more of a fluke because if she carried that kind of power, she would have put Watterson away, especially not having to cut weight. I will say what wasn't a fluke was the way she ended up landing that shot. Marina Rodriguez isn't a great fighter, as I said before. She doesn't have a great depth of skill, but she doesn't have egregious holes in her skill set. You can take her down, but you have to kind of time it perfectly, or you have to chain takedowns together. She's got an initial surface level takedown defense on doubles and singles, where if you don't get in clean, if you're not a certain kind of athlete, you have a certain kind of physicality, it's not going to work. So once again, Michelle Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold Schwan, she didn't try to take her down in the first three rounds. She didn't try to take her down because Marina has a good enough skill set altogether wide enough. She's a she's a busy enough and hard enough and skilled enough striker. She's got decent enough footwork as far as her. Unless you set it up perfectly, it's going to be hard to navigate those strikes and get into position to finish. And even then, she's a competent enough grappler that if you don't have a certain physicality to control or a certain level of skill to finish her, she's eventually going to get either get back up or just control you and force you to stand back up. She doesn't have an egregious hole. Michelle Watterson does great against fighters with egregious holes. What she does is she usually lets you do your work early. She'll wait till you kind of find, find a rhythm. Then she exploits the hole. It's what Angela Hill did. First two rounds, Angela Hill's beating the hell out of her. Third round, Michelle Watterson gets a takedown, changes the whole nature of the fight. But Angela Hill is more flawed as a fighter. Marina Rodriguez has is a threat in multiple areas. So Michelle couldn't just haphazardly go in on takedowns. She might get reversed. She might get... She might get sprawled out. She might eat shots coming up. She couldn't take that chance with the size advantage and the skill set of Marina. So look at, you, look at, look at, look at, look at. You got to take risks in the fight business. You you do, but Mar when, when Michelle, does I got it, news take, for you. Listen, I got, I got. No, no. Listen, look. By not doing that, that's why she lost that fight. Okay, it's as simple as that. Well, the she fact had to do it. She had to go for it a lot earlier than she did. Because by the time she did, it was too late. 
you can you can say that and that's probably true but the fact that matters if she goes earlier i don't necessarily know she makes it through the round because she was having a hard time navigating the strikes even then i'm not saying you're not right she should have pushed the pace she didn't really have any other opportunities she wasn't gonna make a decision but even when she got the takedown she wasn't able to do a whole hell of a lot with it and that's after marina might have been a little bit fatigued after four rounds of fighting she takes it earlier, maybe she gets reversed, maybe she gets submitted, maybe she gets put on the ground and beaten to submission. We don't know. She obviously took an educated risk given the fact that she's facing a bigger, stronger opponent and Michelle Washington doesn't have the athleticism or power to really turn a fight or take over one. So she figured she'd go for it late and maybe maybe get a quick finish, maybe be able to steal around when it was safest. She was navigating the risk. She was at almost every possible disadvantage in that fight. Listen, I would buy that if she did it at least in the second or third round. Well, could we think could we think possibly she didn't see the same opening she saw against a Felice Herrig or a Casey Courtney Casey or she didn't see the opening so she didn't do it. I mean when she fought Joanna, she went for a takedown I think late in the third, early in the fourth and almost got a finish. I mean can I, give, big, can, can I can I give you an alternative theory? Sure, go ahead. My alternative theory is that other than her sex appeal and that she's the karate hottie, maybe she ain't that good. I think for the weight class, her limitations hinder her. I don't think she's – her ability her is her grit and her IQ, but she doesn't have enough size, athleticism, or power to force fights where she wants to be and or keep them where she wants to be unless oh, she's fighting oh. somebody with an his hole. Courtney Casey. So are you, su so are you, so are you suggesting that a woman who refused to go to China to face Zhang Weili, and I'm talking about her husband making that decision, uh, shouldn't should have not accepted this fight at flyweight? Um, I wouldn't thought it was very smart. That's what I thought you were going to say, <laughs> but I agree with you. I think it was a you know. It didn't make, like I said, they, they wanted her to go to China to fight Zhang Weili. That was when she uh, beat uh, Jessica, okay? And she, her husband wouldn't let her go. She, he didn't want her to go. So they didn't go, okay? And that was that. But that she would have had a better chance in that fight than she did in this one. Yeah, I think she did, obviously, the UFC. I think she's trying to angle to get in the UFC's good graces, maybe after the she can be a uh, announcer or media personality in it. And also, even though she loses, it just adds to her reputation as a fighter who's been tremendously outsized and found ways to found ways to be ranked and found ways to stay in fights. It's setting up a narrative that she can use to build her brand moving forward. Win or lose, you can build your brand off this kind of stuff. And it wasn't a bad performance for her. She was completely outgunned. It, it, she just was completely outgunned. So it's not the worst loss in the world. And even though Marina looks good in winning it, it's not really all that impressive and important. And considering how she beat Rivas, she needed something. She she needed a highlight real win to build off that. And I don't feel she built any more momentum off this fight. If anything, yeah, I think she lost. Listen, listen, I told you it was a fluke. The knockout, I don't have a problem with you saying it's a fluke. But how the knockout happened was not a fluke. It's because of her width of skills. When 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 Rivas got other people in those positions, he either finished them or took complete, complete control of the fight. She wasn't able to do that with Marina. Now, no, but for Marina to get to that point, she had to have a wide enough skill set to survive and end up right back in that situation later on. Okay, well, Marina says she wants to fight Joanna Fedrichek, but I don't know if Joanna 
will fight her. And the reason I say that is that when Joanna announced that she was returning, she was, I guess, primarily interested in a title fight. And I don't think she's going to get that immediately. So, I don't think she's going to get it. She has at least one big win. She's got it. Yeah, and but I wait for eight months. She, she, I get the impression she wants a title fight and she may not come back if she doesn't get okay. it. Like, I, like, like, like listen, listen what, what have I said since last year? It's a 50 50 chance she's going to pack it in. Okay. And I still feel that despite her announcement, I still feel that way. And the reason I say that is because she wants a title fight and I don't think she's going to get it. Okay. So that brings us to the other possibility, which is we've got a fight coming up. Um, Carla Esparza versus Yan Choning. And Carla Esparza already beat her last, beat Marina last year by split decision. And so we'll see who wins that fight. And the one thing I will say, before anybody says anything, you don't want to sleep on Yan Choning. Okay? She's probably a better striker than Marina Rodriguez or maybe even Yolanda. I don't know. Yeah, she's a she's a she's probably a better striker. She's a busier fighter. But we, like we said, the issue with her is she's one of those fighters who who doesn't have a separator as far as power and athleticism. You can grind her out, and if you can get a lead, she's not the kind of fighter who can turn a fight around with one single strike. She's got to chip you down. She's got to walk you down. In a five round fight, you might have those moments. In a three round fight, it's going to be hard for her attrition based style to to turn it over. Well, I don't know. It's going to be a competitive fight. We don't we'll talk about it when the time comes. Uh, but um, she showed in that fight against Claudia Gadelia that she may be not something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was an impressive win, but beating Claudia Gadelia is starting to be like, like, just Claudia started to turn into the biggest name stepping stone in WMMA. It, it's gotten well, really weird with her. We'll see if, if she wins this. You may have a different, uh, you may have a, you change your tune after that. Oh, I'll change my tune if she wins it. I won't change my tune about my assessment of her as a fighter because she, she'd have to show me something. She'd have to go and knock Carla out, like devastating power. That would change it. I know how she'll beat Carla. I, I need to see her go and do it, though. That's right. Okay, let's uh, go on to Saturday's show, UFC 2, what is it, 262 or something like that? I always forget the numbers. But anyway, we have a, an important fight on the main card of this show, and that is – First of all, all three matches are at flyweight. So match number one, you've got uh, Caitlin Chukagian versus uh, Viviani Araujo. Okay, so we all know who Caitlin is. She's a former title contender. Trains with Mark Henry's in Philadelphia. Uh, she's from that area. And um, she basically likes to work at distance. Okay, so essentially, she's a points fighter. All right? Mm -hmm. Viviani is kind of the opposite of a points fighter, I guess. Uh, she's from Brasilia, Brazil. Uh, her coach's name is uh, David Evangelista. Okay, and uh, she's a former uh, champ in Pancras. But that was at strawweight. So she's fought at strawweight, flyweight, bantamweight. I prefer her at strawweight because I think she's undersized as a flyweight. But I think she's got a good shot at winning this fight. Uh, my my biggest factor, uh, Viviani, she's an uh, educated striker. She's not particularly technically sharp. She throws a decent jab, but she tends to lean on it. You can see it pushing. She throws hard strikes, but usually it's in ones and twos. She doesn't really throw kick-punch combinations, not consistently. 
Her kicks aren't really always set up. Her jab is is there, but in my opinion, it can be countered. Hopefully, they tighten that up. What separates she's aggressive. She's not afraid of contact, and she she even though she's not a dynamic puncher, when she hits, when she lands, it lands a little bit different than the other girls in the division. I don't know that she's busy enough to really cut Kuchake, break Chukagian down. Because Chukagian, to me, is a better technical striker. She's not the harder hitter. She throws a lot of volume. She moves. But also, if Chukagian goes to her wrestling, I don't know that Arejao can can win the fight. Because she fights in spots. Big spots. It's, it's little explosions of power and kicks and combinations when she throws them. I don't know what she does if she has to chase Chukagian all around the cage. And then Chukagian hits that double or that single and puts her on the ground. Vivian's not the greatest submission wrestler. And I don't know that her cardio holds up if she's in a grinding back and forth fight. Chukagan has been able to wrestle bantamweights before and pull out wins. She did it to Irene Aldana. She did it to Lauren Murphy in spots. I don't know that a regular that if she mixes up the striking and the wrestling. Them two aren't as good as Viviana. That, they're not, but they're bigger and stronger. They have better cardio. Aldana. Yeah, I know. I know. Like I yeah. said, that's what. That's my only reservation about it is the fact that I prefer her at strawweight. Yeah, at strawweight, her power is more of her power is more of a difference maker. At flyweight, it's it's not it's like even Jessica Andrade's power didn't carry completely over to flyweight. Viviani is not either, and I don't fights with enough pace. She could land and not not shoot Kagan out or hurt her really badly, but I don't know that she throws enough volume, and I don't know that her setups are slick enough. I've seen her striking, and it's still. It's still it's still real meat and potatoes, and it's not the good kind of meat and potatoes either. Okay, so let's go on to the second fight, also at Flyweight. This is uh, Andrea Lee versus uh, Antonina Shevchenko, and of course Antonina is the older sister of Valentina Shevchenko. Basically, fights the same style, but not as good. She's not as good at it. Uh, Andrea Lee uh, is primarily her calling card is sex appeal. Okay, as a fighter, well, she's on a four-fight losing streak now, right? Is a four-fight or three-fight? But the point is, yeah, the point is, she's primarily, she's a striker, but she has no power, and she has no ground game to speak of. I've never seen her go for a takedown or anything like that. She just, she doesn't do enough to win fights. She has to be more aggressive, and she's not. And she's been like this for years. Anyway, she has gone to a new camp. And that's uh, she's um, at uh, elevation, not the Denver one. Mark Montoya is running it, but she's in uh, shot. She's a Boulder, okay, which is um, Raquel Pennington and Tisha Torres are training there. Okay, so that's who she's working with right now. Um, You know, to me, I don't care who wins. We know that Antonina is not going to fight her sister. So what's she doing there? Just to keep her company? Yeah, um, this fight, I don't I don't th- think as badly as KGB as you think. The fact of the matter is she's just very limited. I hate to keep bringing this up. In in sports, even though people don't want to admit this, and I, I know this because I've worked with, with athletes in multiple sports, boxing, MMA, basketball, as much as we like to romanticize its work ethic, its technique, its strategy, that has a cap on it when you have limited athleticism. When you put KGB in with fighters with limited athleticism or who were just negatives as far as their skill or ability to put skills together, she looked good because she's an accurate, sharp, fairly mobile, busy, technical striker. And against those types, 
the the gap in skill or the the fact that they're comparable athletically allows her to outwork them and outslick them. But as you start pacing her against girls who either have a better sense of skill or physicality, her lack of athleticism gets shown gets shown up. Lauren Murphy was able to take her down. She couldn't really do anything with it. Throw more volume than her because KGB had nothing to hurt her with to back her off. Roxy Matafari was able to get the clinches and takedowns and overwhelm her because KGB had nothing to scare her off with no power, no physical strength. She couldn't bully her in clinches. She's essentially just so one-dimensional as a fighter. This is almost a showcase fight for Antonina. Antonina is as good or better striker. And Antonina, for the weight class, I think Antonina is big for the weight class. I actually believe Antonina could fight a bantam weight. And so when she puts the clinches on in the wrestling, KGB is not going to have an answer for it. Even if technically she's gotten better as a grappler, she's not one of the best grapplers in division. Otherwise, she would have beaten Murphy or beaten Mata. And also, she's facing somebody who's much big, who's also a better offensive wrestler and bigger and stronger. She's not going to hit sweeps on her. She's not going to finish her from the bottom. She's not going to scramble out continuously. She's going to wear down, gas out, and eventually get controlled and worked over. This is basically a fight to build Antonina, to get her another win and make her more of a name. Can I recap? Yeah. Andrea Lee has UFC caliber sex appeal, but LFA caliber fight. How about that? I'd say she has LFA fighting caliber fighting ability as far as talent. Her skill level is not actually bad. She's a better striker than a lot of people in the. She just has nothing behind it. No physicality, no athleticism. Well, like I said, she's had a new cancer. Who knows? But I I wouldn't expect you you can't. That's fine and that's good, but it doesn't change the baseline of her thing. If you she once again, she's a fighter who if she gets a lead, she might be able to hold on to it, but she has no possible way to turn a fighter or establish a firm lead unless you give her rounds. She's not she can't knock you out with one shot. She can't really knock you out with 15. And even if she does that, she lacks durability and physicality. You throw more volume, you throw harder, you open yourself up to be encountered and being taken down. And she knows those are dangerous spots for her. That's why she doesn't do it. So she takes more chances in fight. She'll have more moments, but she'll get hurt worse. Yeah. She Antonina wins. Antonina wins this fight. Yes. Okay. I believe she will. I just wanted to move on to the next one. Okay. The third fight is Tina Masani versus uh, Priscilla Cachoeira. Now, Priscilla trains at PRVT in Brazil, which means that she's a teammate of Jessica Andrade. So the way she got into the UFC was kind of interesting because at, in 2018, uh, uh, Dana White wanted uh, Valentina Shevchenko to fight in Brazil. And her opponent was supposed to be the newly signed Jennifer Maya. But Jennifer decided not to do the fight, take, take a rest instead. So they brought in Priscilla instead. She got her ass handed to her and she ended up having knee surgery um i'm not really impressed with her as a fighter she's mediocre at best and uh she hasn't done well she's got she's like uh what one in three or something like that she actually did win her last fight I think. and um so that's priscilla okay gina is an interesting one too okay gina is originally from alaska just like laura murphy okay Okay, so she got signed with the UFC. She moved to Las Vegas, and she started training at uh, Extreme Couture. And who do you think was managing her at the time? Misha Tate. Okay, Mm -hmm. so she went one and three as a bantamweight. She left the UFC, 
And then last year, she returned to the UFC, and she dropped to flyweight, and she won her fight when she came back last year. Okay, so she's made big changes here. First of all, she announced... Who did she, who did she beat? Who did she beat again? I don't remember. Nobody Rachel special. Ostevich. Yeah, it was Rachel, Rachel Ostevich. That's right. It doesn't really matter. Okay. Well, okay. No, no, it doesn't matter. She, she was... Look, she was brought back as a return. They wanted to see how she would do, right? That's the whole point. She, it was her first fight event at uh, Flyweight. Okay, so a couple of things I want to mention here, and that's that last year, I think it was last August, right after that fight, she announced that she is now engaged to UFC fighter Tim Elliott. And they moved to his hometown of Kansas City. And they're training with James Krause, also a UFC fighter, at Glory MMA. So, obviously, just dropping to flyweight must have been his idea, number one, because she wasn't going to do that. And two, she's obviously getting more personalized training there from him. And so that's going to make a difference. Too. So maybe she's a different fighter now. I have no idea, but we're going to find out, right? Um, I think she's going to make some improvements. My biggest thing with her is, you move up weight classes because you feel your athleticism or skill is such an advantage that it's going to offset the physicality, the durability, and the size and strength of your other opponents. You move down weight classes when you feel that your strength, your durability, and your physicality will make up for whatever of athleticism or skill you have at a higher division. Because the better wow. your skill set, the higher you can go. Listen, Get listen. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Listen, she ain't the only one who does that, all right? So it's, it's not exactly uh, a big secret. Uh, I'm not saying she isn't. I'm, I'm just calling it out when I say this every time someone moves up. At this weight division, her physical, it's like all the girls move down from bantamweight. Their size, in fact, most ranked flyweights are former bantamweights. Her size, That's her right. durability, and her physicality is at this weight class. At bantamweight, it wasn't. She could have maybe went around, around and a half. Now over here, she can physically bu bully a certain amount of girls in dictate position. So it's going to be it's going to make her look more technical because she's not going to be fearful of what's coming back to her. And when you have a size and weight advantage, a notice your technique, you don't panic as much. So your techniques crisper because you're not fearing getting taken out. You know, you can get back up. You know, you can take that strike. So that extra little panic that make you a little jittery or gas faster or throw wild. You don't have to do that anymore because you're confident you can handle whatever is coming. So you're acting from a, a place of relaxation and calm. Again, we also we also yeah we we also have to see what she's like after a full camp uh, with James Krause. Yeah, I, I don't think James Krause is terrible. I don't necessarily know that I think he's great as of yet. Uh, but well enough, she she should be doing much better. My my whole point is against Catchaware. Catchaware is many things. She's limited. She's a willing striker, not very technical. She's a, a willing grappler, willing wrestler, but not really great. The thing about her. She's shown excessive durability. She's shown very good mental toughness. And she's been fairly effective as far as her ability to fight at pace. So some of the advantages that Gina Mazzani is used to having that allow her to get, get to certain positions and maintain them, I don't know if those exactly exist against Cachoeira because Cachoeira isn't going to be intimidated by the physicality or the strength. I, I still would think that Mazzani's size and, and the more technical, if she's become more technical, that might be a difference maker, but I feel like Priscilla's going to have a lot of moments in there. It's going to be a matter of whether Gina can maintain a pace and Gina can 
maintain her form when she faces somebody who's going to physically meet her at the point of attack instead of giving up ground trying to get around it. Cassiwara is going to go right in on her. And I don't know if Mazzotti is going I think the one thing we need to say about Priscilla is that uh, she had to overcome drug addiction to become a fighter. Okay. And I think she deserves a lot of credit for doing that. She's mentally tough. I've never seen her really broken. She's been outclassed. I know she's getting a full camp, but you don't go from terrible to average, average to good, good to great over one camp. It might, even if it looks this Catchaware, it's not the case. And I think Catchaware's got enough conditioning, physicality, and a willingness to exchange where it's going to be a lot tougher than they're thinking it's going to be. Listen, if Gina is average, that's a whole lot better than she was a couple of years ago. That's true. Okay. All right. That's about it. Again, that show, uh, don't forget it's a pay-per-view, and uh, the one match is on the main card. Um, the prelims are going to be on ESPN. Uh, in the U.S. and TSN in Canada. Okay, that's about it. You got anything else you want to talk about, Juan? Oh, no, there sir. was one other. Thing. Oh, there was one other thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, Justine Kish was released from the USC a couple of days ago. Okay. Yeah. And also, uh, I forgot about this last week, but I wanted to mention it, and that's that uh, Pearl Gonzalez and Rachel Ostevich have signed with Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. So I guess that's where a lot of these girls are going to go. A little, I, I feel bad for Kish because at one point she was considered maybe the next thing in that division. She was supposed to be a big-time player, and injuries kind of derailed her. And um, as far as Ostevich and, and Bare Knuckle Boxing, I would not have expected that from Ostevich. I really thought she would have went kind of a media version, maybe an old fans type approach, to be honest. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention about Justine, I think a couple of things. The main thing that killed her was that knee injury back when they were doing the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, she got basically had to pass on it because of a knee injury. So I don't think she was ever the same after that. What I will say about her is that she lives in Los Angeles, and she's already gotten involved in doing stunt work in Hollywood. You remember that TV show about MMA, uh, Kingdom? Yes. She appeared on that show as an opponent of female fighting. Okay? Oh, good. So, so it's entirely possible she's already got contacts there to establish herself in stunts. And I wouldn't surprise me if Justine goes away from fighting and goes into stunt work. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 more. A lot of fighters do. A lot of fighters do, and they make good money That's and right. they make good careers. And if you make the right connections with a certain with a certain a actor. Uh, you're set for life. The guy who was the Rock's devil, he's been in like six, eight, nine, ten movies, all because That's him right. and the Rock. You know, so, well, she already, she, I, I, like I said, she was in that show, so she already has connections. You know, you know so what I, I think. You know what I think. How this works for her specifically with all these comic book type movies and action type movies, or especially the comic book ones. Uh, she's she's athletic. She's blonde. She has a physical imposing fixture. She's made to be some character in a comic book movie to be a stunt double. She can get easy six, seven movies out of that. Absolutely, absolutely. It's very consistent work if you get good at. It. Okay. Well, and what about what? What about the other two signing with Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship? I like I said, uh, even when when Paige did it, I got it, and I guess I understand it from the money point of view. I really thought Ostevich was going to try to be more of a, a media personality, or maybe even go an OnlyFans kind of route because she's always been considered so attractive to MMA, to MMA 
you know, to MMA fans and, and people in general, I really try to go that route. I'm kind of shocked she's going into bare knuckle fighting. It, it's, I mean, I get it, but it seems like the wrong move to me. Um, as far as who else is going there? Um, Pearl Gonzalez. Pearl Gonzalez. Even her, she she's such she's got such a media following. She's got such a platform. I wouldn't see why she just wouldn't go do go the old man's route and then make a couple couple you know fifty hundred thousand dollars a month doing that. I mean, to be quite honest, they have fan bases. If you have a platform, you can go the OnlyFans route. You can make a lot of money because you already have people invested in you. If you're nobody doing it, it's tough. So I mean, if they just feel the competitive need to compete, I get it. But there's just a lot. Better ways and easier ways to make money, in my opinion. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of fetishes out there, man. Look at <laughs> Jessica. I just I opened up an OnlyFans, and she's gonna make a lot of money because she has a fan base and people know who she is. A fighter recently asked me about foot fetish. I'm not gonna oh, say who it was. Who? Really? I'm not gonna say who it was, but a fighter uh, who I know on Twitter asked me about foot fetishes. Uh, all I know I just, is I, I, I have a friend who makes who makes a lot of money posting pictures on the internet of their feet, and they make a lot of money. They make really good money, and they're nobody. Right. Anyways, anything else you want to talk about, or is that it? No, that is it, sir. Okay, again, don't forget to check out my blog at frankv316.blogspot.com and my other podcast, Frank Posing Big Bad Podcast. If you have any questions or comments for my blog or even my podcast you can leave them an anxious voicemail and you would like to subscribe to my podcast 